0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: And we're very glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And uh, Jim, I know you and I are both a little bit bleary-eyed after a uh, full weekend of uh, watching football. I didn't catch all of the action. I saw the second half last night of the Bills and Chiefs. I saw... A little bit of the Packer 49er game, a little bit of the uh, Titan uh, Bengals game. Every one of those games was decided on the final play. Three of them on game-winning field goals. Both one seeds are out. As Chris Berman used to say on what I still think is the greatest television show of all time, NFL primetime, that's why they play the games. Hard to to not be excited, uh, even if your team uh, was out of playoff contention, say, mid-October, like ours.
2: Yeah, the only thing that would have made the weekend any better would be if I really had a strong rooting interest in too many of these teams, other than absolutely loathing uh, Tom Brady and relishing and maybe razzing other people at a restaurant Sunday evening after they had been raucously celebrating that last Tampa Bay touchdown and, and all of that. Um, just gonna, you know, I think was Will Bond said you that technically the divisional round is actually the best weekend of football. For, for for NFL fans all because. because you generally get four good games. Now, some years you get a route and sometimes it's clear, you know, a lot of the times the number one seeds, you know, rock and roll and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, four games coming down, if you were hanging out on social media on Sunday night, you were just kind of like, you know, oh my God, are you watching this? Oh my God, turn on, the t- wow, this game is great. And then it just kept coming over and over again. There's <laughs> the one touchdown, another touchdown. Um, Just an observation, Greg. You and I can't even get through an ad in 13 seconds.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the Cowboys can't spike it in 13 seconds. But uh, (laughs) none... Nonetheless, a great
2: contrast, yes.
1: we are in no position to denigrate anyone else's teams here. So for those of you who are uh, have your favorite team still in the mix in the Final Four here in the championship round weekend, uh, congratulations. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but the Super Bowl will not be involving, uh, with the exception of the Chiefs potentially, not be involving teams most people expected to get there. So uh, we will see. We will see. But let's start with our good martini, Jim. And we spent a lot of time looking at Joe Biden's really bad poll numbers uh, over the past several weeks, uh, because they not only tell us something about how the American people are understanding where this administration is, but usually the president's approval numbers relate to the midterm elections, even though the president is not on the ballot. Well, Chuck Todd, who is certainly not happy to bring bad news to the Biden administration and the Biden campaign and the DNC, out with uh, I guess what they call the new NBC political metric here, looking at uh, different factors and how historically uh, they've mattered in the midterm elections. And well, let's just say they're not looking too good for Democrats. Here's a bit of what he said.
0: The NBC News political unit developed what we're calling a midterm meter. It's based on previous election cycles. It's basically three poll numbers you need to know best. I'm going to start with the perhaps the most important number to understand uh, the direction of the midterms, its job approval here. The president's job approval rating sitting at 43%. If you look at history, history shows that kind of presidential approval rating leads to a shellacking for the party in power. How about the mood of the nation? Well, let me show you this. Right now, our wrong track, nation's on the wrong track number, sitting at 72%. Second poll in a row where we've been over 70%. That's only a third time in our polls history over 30 years where we've had two tracks that uh, were that off that again would put you in shellacking territory for the party in power but the one place Democrats are holding up okay is on the question of which party should control Congress basically a dead heat one point advantage there but most analysts will tell you Democrats have to be about up about four or five due to their uh, due to redistricting in order to actually hold the house here
1: So, Jim, uh, the first two numbers are obviously very bad news for the Biden administration and uh, suggest a very good opportunity for Republicans. The third one, I think, is actually good for us in the moment. It shows that nothing has been earned yet. We've won absolutely nothing yet. And it shows that uh, this thing is uh, potentially still up for grabs, no matter how poorly Biden does over the next several months. And so there's a lot of work to be done, getting a clean, crisp agenda out there that that people are going to want instead of what they're seeing in Washington right now. Matters. So, but when you look at the numbers and how people are reacting to this administration and where they think the country is going, Republicans have a gargantuan opportunity this fall.
2: You know, Greg, this is not the first time that Chuck Todd has made comments in this vein. And maybe the first time he's used the term shellacking more than once in a couple of sentences to emphasize the scale of the uh, red tsunami or just the blowout that we're going to, you know, we are on course for in the midterm elections. I do notice that almost every time Chuck Todd does this, he gets pushback from uh, progressives, usually on Twitter. And I don't know if this is just a, ref- a reflex of working the refs, so to speak, of objecting to it. But first of all, the, the easiest way to guarantee that your party will get a shellacking in the midterm elections is to run around insisting, we're not gonna get shellacked in this year's elections. The, denying, the denial of the problem is probably the best way to ensure Democrats do not prepare for it. And the second thing that kind of jumps out about this is you like, so even, let's say you're a Democrat and you don't like hearing Chuck Todd say this, and you don't like hearing people saying your party's gonna lose really bad. And, you know, November is just, you know, 10, 11 months away. You know, the, the, I guess the question is like, if, you, if you're a Democrat and you think things shouldn't be going that badly, what are you gonna to point to? to say no no things are going great things are going fine don't you worry it's going to you can point to the unemployment rate but uh that actually kind of have the inverse problem we have way too many job openings and an ongoing you know fairly severe labor shortage and that's even separate from the Omicron wave which has lots of people saying staying home sick you know various points in the month of January um I think the number is like 22 of Americans think the country is on the right track I mentioned Omicron a second ago Look, the Omicron wave, maybe what's peaked, depending on where you are in parts of the country, maybe we're on the downslope. I'd like to think things are going to look better once we get into February and March and April. But I don't think people are gonna then say, oh, good job, President Biden. I don't think any you know, cheers of Let's Go Brandon were gonna be uh, unironic at that point. I think people are gonna say, well, we, why did Omicron go away? Because it burned its way through and it was exacerbated by the fact that so many Americans couldn't find tests and Biden had promised there were gonna be tests and all that stuff. And now they're gonna mail, mail you masks in the mail that people, you know, if you think that's a great solution, terrific um you know i don't think the supply chain crisis is going to be overcome in the next couple of certainly not the next couple of months immediately maybe you know maybe a little bit further down the road this year inflation the president did not really have a lot of good answers on this in his press conference uh gas prices food prices all these things that are squeezing americans right now and i haven't gotten to foreign policy i didn't even gotten to you know ukraine and, and, and afghanistan which we're going to talk a bit more about in this uh in this podcast there's just not any good news going on that you really got to look for it and it's just well of course things are, people are going to take it out on the incumbent party welcome to government welcome to the fact that if you're in charge and things are going really badly it's probably going to really stink for you in the upcoming midterm elections people are going to take out their frustrations on the people who've been running things and you can't point to you you can if you think you know oh the opposition party doesn't have its own agenda and people don't like that agenda that's exactly what republicans thought in 2006 and 2018. And if you think, oh, there's no way, that's exactly what the Democrats thought in 2010 and 2014. The opposition party wins when the the country's in a bad mood. Welcome to reality. And don't get mad at Chuck Todd for pointing out, this is how the system works. Um, And there's really, at this point, no reason to think that this November is gonna be any different.
1: Chuck Todd's trying to warn you. He's not doing it to depress you. He's trying to give you a head start. He's on your side, Democrats. But, uh, you know, some of these numbers are so lopsided. I think the fact that uh, certain things aren't getting through the Senate, which we, of course, love, uh, is leading some on the far left to be disillusioned, thinking things are on the wrong track, disapproving of the administration. They're never going to end up being Republican voters, but uh, they might sit on their hands if they don't think uh, their votes are actually going to lead to to what they want to see done. But uh, as of right now, uh, Joe Biden is uh, doing the Republicans. Some major favors. But uh, we've got some uh, much worse news when it comes to Joe Biden uh, in just a moment. But Jim, uh, obviously a very eventful start to the week. We've not only got these poll numbers, we have been talking about the situation with Ukraine and how that seems to be deteriorating almost by the hour at this point. Um, but the only good news is that with all this news and you're constantly uh, keeping tabs on it, you can do it all from the comfort of your ex-chair.
2: From the first moment I sat in my ex-chair, My body immediately said "Ah, so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. You never really look forward to sitting in your office, but I do because I've got my ex chair. Now, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My ex chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My ex chair can do that, too. It's all in the LMAX Massage and Temperature Regulation, which is exclusively designed and made for the X-chair. And once you feel the customized support of the X-chair's patented Dynamic Variable Lumbar, or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort, these are all the reasons I love my X-chair. Now, I can't wait to be at work, and sometimes, even when I'm not working, I just can sit in my X-chair just to get that feeling. Take my advice, try the X Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. And once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. I promise.
1: Go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X chair m a r t i n i.com or call 1-844-4X Chair for $100 off your order. X Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. One more time, xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, our Friday martini, uh, I remember if it was bad or crazy, I think it was crazy, was that the Biden administration was mulling whether to evacuate the family members of diplomats from Ukraine? Well, Before we could get to today, they acted on that. They ordered yesterday for those family members uh, to be taken out. But it's another message from the Biden administration that really has people cringing and having a serious case of deja vu from last summer. Because last summer, of course, was when uh, the Taliban uh, took over Afghanistan at an alarming rate. And then we had this absolutely embarrassingly chaotic, as Joe Lieberman put it on the podcast last week, effort to get Americans and others out of Afghanistan, and we did not get them all out, despite the uh, fudging of the numbers and everything else we got from this administration, which they at least publicly claim was still a raging success. The American people certainly don't agree with that. But now uh, we're getting the same message when it comes to Ukraine. In fact, there's not even going to be an effort to get Americans out of Ukraine. Jennifer Griffin over at the Fox News channel tweeting out just before 8 p.m. last night, From the State Department call, quote, given that the president has said military action by Russia could come at any time, the U.S. government will not be in a position to evacuate U.S. citizens. So U.S. citizens currently present in Ukraine should plan accordingly, meaning arrange commercial flights. So, Jim, (laughs) uh, hopefully people are doing that because it looks like uh, it's going to get pretty ugly in Ukraine pretty fast. But uh, this administration, unprepared and uh, incompetent, it seems, every time this happens. And unfortunately, it's happening a lot.
2: First of all, if you happen to be a a listener of the three martini lunch in Kiev or anywhere really in Ukraine, get out. I I hate to tell you this. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But there is really no. First of all, obviously, certainly. Russia does not put 104,000 troops on the border as a feint or as a symbolic gesture. He certainly has the option of launching a full invasion if he wants to. Two, the U.S. you know U.S. diplomatic staff don't send their families back on a whim. They don't just do this for uh, as a as a normal precaution. That's an indication that the U.S. government really does think that it's not going to be safe in Ukraine, uh, and particularly in Kiev. And today's morning, Jill, I tried to walk through all the different reasons it's not safe to be in the city of Ukraine or at least it may not be very for much longer um in addition to uh, yeah, look, technically it's possible Putin just wants the Eastern provinces in, in there, the more Russian speaking and more, uh, Russian connected parts of the country, but the Ukrainian de- military and defense command and control structure is all in Kiev. They still, that's where their defense headquarters is, intelligence headquarters is, National Defense University, things like that. There's every reason in the world to think that Russian fighters will be dropping bombs on those sites at the earliest opportunity. Um, so you don't want to be near it. Uh, completely understandable that Americans would want their families out, and that Americans would want to get as few would want to get the you know as few Amer- a few American diplomats in the country as possible, and as few U.S. citizens in the country as possible as well. That said, man oh man, did this uh, this you know it was a conference call right around the time of that you know exciting uh, football game on Sunday night. Um, declaring the united states government will not be in a position to evacuate u.s citizens in such a contingency so u.s citizens currently present in ukraine should plan accordingly including by availing themselves of commercial options should they choose to leave the country Um, one other reason to get out now while you still can is that if and when Uh, Putin pulls the trigger and the invasion actually starts. It is exceptionally likely that cyber warfare is going to be part of the Russian arsenal. And that may mean the electrical power goes out. That may mean natural gas stops flowing so that, you know, to keep them heat. The phone lines would be down, cellular networks, uh, the Internet, you know, basically anything you use to communicate all this stuff. Also kind of importantly, the banks and the ATMs and the financial networks may go down on stuff. Uh, Rail lines could go down um air traffic control could go down there are all kinds of ways in which once russia just starts pushing the buttons to start basically if it plugs in russia can try to find a way to mess with it in ukraine and we don't know i mean ukraine says they've attempted to take preparations for this Uh, you know we had our issue with the pipeline in the united states here this stuff is tough to protect 100 i don't want to alarm people any more than they should be but Russia has all kinds of capabilities in this category. They've been practicing all the time and they really, really enjoy it. Oh, by the way, some of this infrastructure was built by Russia way back in the day. So um, if and when Russia, you know, in, picture in addition to the bombs falling from the sky, in addition to, you know, Russian forces coming across the border picture, as I said, power out, communications down, trains not running, the airport is shut down. It could be really, really tough to get out of the country and you could really be in a tough spot. So. Uh, It is a grim, grim situation and the State Department is not exactly reassuring anybody with this. And I think there's an unfortunate message that comes from Afghanistan in these statements. (laughs) If you're an American and you're in Ukraine, do not count on the U.S. State Department or on the Biden administration to get them uh, to get you out. And, you know, in Afghanistan, we had all kinds of U.S. uh, veterans who had served there, who knew the ground, who knew people, who knew this. We don't really have that same kind of network of of folks who are going to be dedicated to get people out of Ukraine the same way in a private effort, the way we saw with Task Force Pineapple and all of these other groups that were uh, kind of volunteering to a private effort to get people out of there. So uh, the situation in Russia and Ukraine is about as grim as it can get short of the actual shooting starting.
1: You know, what this really tells me, Jim, is that the Biden administration, I think one of the reasons they insist that they did a perfect job. Uh, in Afghanistan, they blame the Americans who were there for not getting out sooner. Now they did have State Department bulletins uh, over there uh, starting as early as the spring of last year, saying, "Look, we don't know what's going to happen once uh, you know August thirty-first is passed." But at the same time, Blinken and Biden and others in the national security team were saying, "Nothing to worry about. The Taliban's not going to take over immediately. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a smooth transition." And then everything hits the fan. And uh, they're forced to to do this evacuation uh, mission. But I think they did it almost grudgingly because they actually blamed the people who didn't get out earlier for still being there, rather than the fact that they were completely wrong about everything that was going to happen. And they were thoroughly unprepared, not only for the proper way to draw down there, but uh, for what would happen in those final few weeks.
2: Yeah. And the other kind of aspect of this is that, like, the last section of today's Morning Jolt was looking at what Joe Biden was saying on the campaign trail about Vladimir Putin and Russia uh, back in 2019. And, oh, we're going to stand up for American values and we're going to we're going to show Putin that he can't push the democracy. Well, you know, look, I think part of the aggressiveness of Putin is fueled by what he saw in Afghanistan. Joe Biden pledged ISIS attack. We will not forget. We will not forgive and we will hunt you down. They've done nothing to ISIS since then. In fact, we drone striked an aid worker and killed a bunch of children. So I don't think Vladimir Putin fears anything Joe Biden is gonna to wanna to do. And oh, by the way, this comes in the context of Putin, uh, Biden not standing up to Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia, all the different times he has backed down from China, uh, the degree in which the Biden administration is bending over backwards, trying to get negotiations for Iran's nuclear program. like. Vladimir Putin, I think, has just taken the assessment of Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not a stranger. He's not a new figure. He's a very well-known figure. And I think Putin looks at Biden and thinks this guy's a chump. He's not going to stand up to me. I can do whatever I want. He'll he'll talk a good game, but he's not going to follow up with action. And I think this is the consequence of that. These ten, these things tend to create a, some of their own momentum. Um, and we'll see what she takes out of this. But uh, I think um it is, it is you know in the end this is a, an administration that really wanted to preside over peace and prosperity and was kind of when, when a foreign policy crisis occurs really wants to you know do whatever it takes to wash our hands up and move on back to domestic issues because at the end of the day joe biden always seems a lot angry at unvaccinated americans or republicans than he ever does at Vladimir putin
1: yeah and I think Putin's right. Unfortunately, so uh, and I think China sees it too. They just did another aggressive uh, air force move over Taiwan, and they're uh, they're testing. And uh, unfortunately, I think they like what they're seeing as a result of the test. But. Uh Hopefully I'm wrong about that. I would love to be wrong about that, but so far I don't think I am. But uh, in the meantime, (laughs) if it's got you stressed out and I can understand why, uh, head over to MyPillow.com and not only get wonderful products in terms of pillows and sheets and mattress toppers and towels, and the new My Slippers, but you're gonna get a great deal on them right now as well. I absolutely love the new My Slippers, my favorite thing to wear walking around the house, but you can also wear them outside. And right now, not only can you get this high quality product, you can get it for a massive discount when you use our promo code at mypillow.com 40% off the new My Slippers.
2: Now, these are not just any slippers, the My Slippers spent two years in development to ensure the highest quality and comfort. They're designed to be worn all day, indoors, outdoors, wherever you like. These slippers are available in moccasin or slip on style, and they come in a variety of colors and sizes. The My Slippers are made with quality leather suede, and they have the exclusive three tier cushioning system the My Pillow patented fill, the impact gel, and the memory foam.
1: For a limited time, My Pillow offering 40% off the new My Slippers. So go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. you got to do that, too. Enter the promo code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bedsheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. But you can only save that 40% on the new MySlippers with our promo code MARTINI. So use the promo code MARTINI when you call 800-874-0104 or at MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, last week was definitely a bad week for the Biden administration, so we got a lot of good martinis out of it, but some of it was just downright troubling, considering many different things Biden said in that press conference about uh, not considering the midterms legitimate if he doesn't get his legislation passed, which he probably won't at this point. Uh, The minor incursion, a green card, to Vladimir Putin. But, of course, uh, he lost on uh, the filibuster vote, which means he lost on the elections vote. And so uh, things not going well. And that's just uh, following uh, the other week there where he lost on the mandates and and, uh, Build Back Better and all sorts of other things. So uh, Jen Psaki was on The View at the end of the week. And uh, she says, you know, we're going to keep fighting on this, but she understands why uh, Democrats need to let off a little steam this past weekend.
0: So my advice to everyone out there who's frustrated, sad, angry, pissed off, feel those emotions, go to a kickboxing class, have a margarita, do whatever you need to do this weekend, and then wake up on Monday morning, we've got to keep fighting.
1: So, Jim, I don't know what demographic she's exactly pitching to there. I saw one person on Twitter saying, "Why is the White House always messaging to like eight white women in Manhattan?" But uh, that seems to be where where Jen Psaki uh, is going. You know, that's Arlington parent Jen Psaki, of course.
2: Indeed, not not Arlington Public School parent Jen Psaki, but I'm a parent in the county of Arlington. Now, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start this crazy martini by doing something a little bit uncharacteristic. I'm going to offer a very qualified defense, of two, two qualified defenses of Jen Psaki. Uh, first of all, yesterday, um, actually on Saturday, she tweeted out, this is stressful, Bengals, in reference to the uh, Bengals managing to succeed to beating the Tennessee Titans. And then uh, yesterday she said, thinking of a lot of Buffalo Bills fans and Chiefs fans breathing into a paper bag right now. When this White House press secretary tweets about, you know, ongoing football games or something like that, people say, what are you doing about Russia and Ukraine? And, you know, what about you know, all these real life issues? I don't think there's anything inherently harmful about any administration official tweeting out something lighthearted about what's going on or something like that. So I'm not going to give Jen Psaki any grief about those particular tweets about football going on. And nor do I think it's, you know, some sort of grand crime if a public official talks about lighter, fluffier stuff. We can argue about whether, you know, Barack Obama went a little too far and whether it really did the country any good to have the president slow jamming the news with Jimmy Fallon and doing his ESPN bracket picks and all that kind of stuff. But there's nothing, you know, I'm not gonna give anybody too much grief about that. I also recognize that if you're appearing on the view eight white women in Manhattan are probably the audience, uh, but that probably was, you know, I'm gonna go to a kickboxing class. I'm gonna uh, have a margarita. I'm gonna go shopping at Lululemon. That's what these you know uh, urban or suburban wine moms are probably doing. Um, I, I do think though that there's, that there's an indication of what the mindset of um, this administration is. And you see it in some of the comments that are poo-pooing uh, the consequences of inflation. Whenever you see somebody and they take a picture of their supermarket being full and they say, huh, well, whatever, what about bare shelves Biden here, huh? Now clearly, you know, and I look, and if you're paying any attention to the supply chain issue and people talking about bare shelves at the supermarkets, no one's saying the supermarkets don't have anything in their shelves ever. What they're saying is that they walk into the supermarket and stuff that usually there isn't. And sometimes the staff know, oh, yeah, it's, it's not going to come in until, you know, Tuesday. Sometimes the staff doesn't know what's going to happen. Uh, So now sometimes if you can't find one kind of a, a, you know, produce or something, you know, one kind of, you know, one cut of meat instead of another, you're probably going to be fine. But there are other people who can't get their prescriptions filled, right? There are oncologists who are saying, I'm having delays in my cancer drugs being shipped in. Some of this stuff really does have big real world consequences. So there is just kind of this like insular uh, Pauline Kaelism right this mentality of you know how could Nixon have won I don't know anybody who voted for him sort of thing that there's this the p if you're a White House press secretary I'm not going to give you grief about the NFL tweets I'm not going to give you grief about uh other stuff but there really is kind of this mentality of people are are the people where we are meant to represent are people who look and sound and live and speak like us and and know Gensaki. by the way I'm very pro Margarita I have a long-standing policy of being pro Margarita, but I don't think that is how most people deal with the first right now. And if you want to do kickboxing, great, God bless her. But there's just this like uh, upper middle class to upper class yuppie-ish vibe to her assessment of how people deal with stress. And I think she should be ready to get some grief for that sort of thing.
1: I think she is, at least from the right. I don't know about the middle yet. Uh, you know, I don't know what the views ratings are. So maybe this just gets lost in the ether, especially when it happens right before the weekend. I mean,
2: for this really good bit of consequential comment, someone would be happy. Someone would have to watch the view. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, exactly. I'm not sure who that is anymore, but uh, it's not us. I can tell you that much. Uh, Jim. On that note, happy Monday. Uh, although not a lot of happy news today, but uh, we'll reconvene tomorrow and hopefully it gets better. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Also, thank you very, very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those do help us out quite a bit. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a good Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.